Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, that would be Jesus Christ, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know I'm just a nobody. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct us this morning. Father, your people have come out to hear from you, Lord God, not from me. Father, they want to be fed, Lord God, and they're, they're looking to be fed. Father, and I pray, Father, you'll feed them, Lord, give them what they need. It might not be something we're talking about this morning, Lord God. It might be something else, Father, but I pray you speak to the heart the truth, Lord God. And Father, especially if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, they'd come on down and get saved. They'd bow their head and they'd ask Jesus to save them. And Father, maybe there's some Christians I know they're out there, Father, that are living out there in the world. They've kind of gotten away. Uh, we would call it backsliding. Father, if there's some backsliding Christians, Father, that are, that are here, that are listening in, Father, that they would, uh, they would come back to you, Father, knowing that you have open arms waiting for them. You've been looking for them like the, like the father looking for the prodigal son, and you look for them to come on home, Lord God. Come back where they belong. And, Lord, I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so these lepers, what's leprosy? In the Bible, leprosy is a type of sin. Leprosy was very, it would, it would basically, your skin would rot off the bone. It would leave sores all over you. That's a great type of sin. What people don't understand about sin, when a man lives in a very sinful state, it starts, become, it starts being apparent on his appearance. He starts being apparent on his, uh, his dress. He starts being apparent on how he looks, his countenance on his face. There's people, men and women I know, that are, that are uh, 55, 60 years old, and they look like they're 80 and 90 years old. And there's women I know that are 80 and 90 years old and they look like they're 60. It's all about the, the sinful life you live. It's all, it all, it's all on your face. It's all the appearance. And that's what leprosy is. It's a great type of sin. And these men were stricken with this disease, leprosy. And in the Jewish tradition, even though they were Samaritans in that region, if you were leprous, leprous you had to stand off, stand away from everybody, kind of like we're doing nowadays. Everybody's trying to quarantine, get away from each other. They'd stand off, and they'd have to put their hand over their mouth, and they'd have to say, unclean, unclean. They'd have to yell, unclean, unclean. In other words, they don't come around me. I'm sick. Don't come around me. I'm sick. Don't. So you tended, these lepers, they tended to have colonies. In other words, these lepers, because they couldn't go around anybody that was unleprous, these lepers would tend to congregate together and create colonies because they couldn't, they couldn't give it to each other. They already have it. So these lepers would come together and start living together. And that's what's happening here. And as Jesus Christ is walking by, there's ten of them. And it says there that these lepers stood afar off. Do you know that sin separates you? Amen. Sin will separate you and it separates you far off. Amen. Sin will separate you from your family. Sin will separate you from your family. When you start living a sinful life, one of, one of the first thing that's going to go is your family and friends. When you get into a very, very deep sin and you start sinning, 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 you'll be separated. The first things you'll lose is some friends and then probably last will be your family. And there's so many men and women that fell into such a sinful, awful state that they lose their family, they lose their friends, they lose everybody. It's, it's a sad state of faith. But that's what sin does. And unlike what the world will tell you, that to go live off in sin, go have fun, go do what you want to do, I'm here to tell you, according to the Word of God, don't go off do what you want to do. Control yourself. Amen. Keep yourself under control. 
Fight. Fight yourself. Don't, don't let yourself just go do what you... Don't say everything you want to say. Don't go do everything you want to do. You need to control yourself. And that's good advice. That's not even Christian advice. That's just good advice. But the Word of God tells us that sin will separate you, and it separates you far off. You might say, well, I'm, I'm a sinner, and I had not lost all my friends and family. You had not lost a friend? You can't tell me a time that you did something that's probably sinful? Well, I didn't murder them. What? <laughs> There's more to sin than murder and raping and killing. You didn't tell a lie that caused you to lose a friend? You didn't steal something from a friend? You didn't backstab a friend? You didn't talk behind a friend's back? All those are sins. Now, you might say, well, I've still, you might still have the attitude, well, I'm a sinner, and I, just, I still have all my family and friends. Maybe you're just good at hiding your sin. There's a lot of people that are good at hiding their sin. Real good. In the world that we live in, it's really easy to hide your sin. Everybody's doing the same thing. It's real easy to spot the Christians nowadays. We're the only ones acting sane. We're the only ones that have any kind of common sense. Real easy to spot us. Listen, listen, I know you don't like being called a sinner. I'm a sinner. Amen. I'm a saved sinner. Amen. I'm a sinner that's bound to heaven because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only difference between me and you. And I might tend to try to not to sin more. I might, I might tend to try to keep this flesh under control more than you care to try to keep your flesh under control. But the, but the truth is, the same sin that's in you, it's in me. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just telling you the reality of the situation. But don't come and tell me that it doesn't matter. There's no real, that sin doesn't exist. Hey, sin exists. Hey, listen. A thief doesn't like being stolen from. Does it make sense what I just said to you? Uh, the biggest thieving person you know doesn't like to be stole from. So don't come and tell me there is no such thing as sin. Don't be a moron. Think about it. Just use your little bit of a noggin you have there, and you'll understand sin separates you from happiness. It's not only going to separate you from, sin, uh, from your family, but sin will separate you from happiness. There's, the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. We did a long study on seasons on Wednesday night. What did we find out about seasons? Seasons will pass. So whatever season, you might be going through a stormy season in your life where it's awful and you say, well, I'm never going to get over this. Yes, you will. Seasons pass. And pleasures that you're getting from sin, you're, you're having a lot of pleasure in it. And boy, you're living the high life. Everything looks great. It will pass. That pleasure that you're having, it will pass. And you'll have to wake up. And when you, it might not be today. I can't promise you it's tomorrow. It might not be next year. It will pass. And then, oh man, it's time to pay the fiddler. And that's what none of us want to do. We want to live, 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 do what we want to do, live young, live fast, and then you, oh man, now it's all starting to catch up with me. You can't live like that. You, there's no happiness there. And it sin separates you from this happiness. Uh, do you do the same things you used to do that brought you happiness and they don't bring you happiness anymore? That's a good question. Have you looked at your life and said, you know, I used to have fun doing this, but it's not the same. I, I'm not, and, and so maybe there's some things you used to do. You say, well, I used to go out to drink. And I used to go out and I'd go out and have a few beers with my friends. But now, that's not the same. Now I've got to have some, some hard liquor with that. And that used to do it for me. And now that when I go out with my friends, it's not just enough to have a couple of beers or to, or to take a couple of drinks of some hard liquor. I've got to really take some hard liquor. 
And then, then it gets to the point where I, it's not enough for me to just go out to have some fun, you know, drink a couple of beers. I got, I got to drink some at home. And then that's not enough to drink some. Do you see where I'm going with this? You're going to, uh, down a road that there is no end. It's, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are death. And I went down that road, and I know those pitfalls, and I've stumbled over those, uh, those speed bumps in life going down that way before I got on the way of Jesus Christ. I know all those pitfalls. And they're coming. And you might be at a point in your life where you say, I don't see no pitfalls. I don't. Trust me, go talk to anybody with some gray hair. They will tell you they're coming. They're coming. And, and, and the question is, are you not having the same, do you not have the same happiness you used to have? Let me offer you something called a new life. It's something I got when I was about 17. It's called a new life in Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's only found in Jesus Christ. It's a new life. It's a new way of doing things. It's a new way. It's the only way. It's the way of Jesus Christ. If you, if you look at this way I'm talking about, you'll see that, hey, look at, look at, look at him. He seems happy. All the, I, I, you know, one time we had this woman that was working there at the city, and uh, I was, we always would gather at the, at the back and, and get water, and it'd be early in the morning. We always got water before we headed out the day. And, and she said to me one morning as I walked in there, she goes, why are you always so, you always sunshines and rainbows every morning. Your sunshines and rainbows every morning. And I said, I'm just happy. Amen. I didn't know how to answer her. You know, I said, I'm just happy. Well, then after a couple of minutes, I started thinking about that. And I'm like, and I guess it's the Holy Spirit said, it's because of me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, it is because of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, it isn't because I'm, I, I mean, we're doing the same job. I'm having to get up as early as everybody else. Why am I smiling and happy when everybody else is walking around with a frown on their face? Amen. And the Lord said, it's because of me. <laughs> So I caught her. I said, hey, hey, hey. I can't remember her name now. I said, hey, hey, hey. And she turned around and said, hey, the reason why I'm so happy is because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And then the spirit in me said, okay, I'm going to let you go. Now you can go, go, go on by. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. You ever get that? You ever get that? Where you're going by and the Lord says, do this. And you're driving. You might, you might pull over and help them. Oh, I'm busy. Pull over and help them. Mm. You better help them. Okay, Lord, you know, here we go. He won't leave you alone. He won't leave you alone. I'm glad he won't leave me alone. Because, you know, what dwelleth in me dwelleth no good thing. I don't care about nobody. If I show any of y'all any love, it's because of Jesus Christ in me. Keegan don't love you. I love me. And if I show you any love, it's because there's Jesus Christ in me, working out of me. It's not me. Trust me, my wife will tell you, he don't love nobody. He's selfish. He's self-centered. Anything I do is I finally let the Lord work out of me. It'll separate you from your family. It'll separate you from your happiness. And let me tell you, finally, it'll separate you from your God. Sin will separate you from God. Why? See, sin might not separate you from me and you. I've got a lot of friends that are sinners. I mean, heavy sinners, real, real heavy sinners. Everybody's a sinner, but you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not going over eating at their, eating at their house every night, but these guys are rough, rough, rough guys. And sin might not separate me and them. I'll be friendly to them, I'll see them, but sin most definitely will separate you from a holy God. Amen. God won't put up with it. 
People mis misrepresent God. They misrepresent God as having. They misrepresent God as God's main attribute in a lot of people's minds in the world. God and this. Get me. You know I'm telling the truth when I say this. A lot of the people in the world they think God's main attribute is love, Amen. and they'll say, "God is love. God is love. God is love." And the Bible does say God is love, but that's not God's main attribute. The Bible says God is love. What does that mean? That means you want to know what love is. God. Amen. God is love. Not you make God love and then you say, okay, God, you got to put up with this love. No, God is love. Then what's the main attribute of God, Pastor? It's found right there in heaven. Revelation 4, Revelation 5, all through Genesis, all the way through Revelation, it's this one little word that's mentioned over and over again with our God. That word is Amen. holy. Amen. Holy. He says, Aaron, when you serve me, I want you to make this golden plate. And I want you to put it on your forehead. And every time you serve me, you've got to wear this on your little bonnet, on your forehead. And what does that plate say? Holiness to the Lord. Amen. I want you to be washed and clean before you walk in around me. If you've been doing that, you can't come around me. If you've been around somebody dead that's unclean, get away from me for right now. You go away for about seven days. I demand holiness. When the world was rocking around, living in filth, living in nastiness, God says, if you go to the bathroom, you better bury it. You bury it underground because I'm walking among you guys. and I demand holiness. Amen. That's where all that Levitical law came. The Jews weren't more clean than anybody else. They had a God that was cleaner and expected them to be cleaner. You get up in the... When, when, John gets up into heaven and sees all the glories of heaven, the seraphims, the cherubims, all the angels. You know what they're hollering? The Bible says they were hollering day and night. Three words. Holy, holy, holy. Amen. Not love. We serve a holy God. Amen. Holiness. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Amen. We serve a holy God. And this world, they want to take our God and bring it down to their filthiness, to their nastiness, to their sinful state and say, why doesn't God accept me? God's not going to accept you because He's holy. Amen. And you must get holy with Him. You can't do it by yourself. You can try, you can go up on a mountain and live by yourself like a monk and you still got sin in your heart. It's going to take something to cleanse you, to wash you. And the only thing that the Bible says can do that with God is the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So sin will separate you from your family, from your happiness, from your God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off because of your sin are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Amen. That's a verse to back up what I just said. Back in our text. So these lepers were standing afar off, verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These lepers did it right. These lepers did it right. They had the right passion. They had the right person. They had the right position. And they had the right plea. They had the right passion. Look at right there at verse, at verse 13. And they lifted up their voices. They had the right passion. They didn't just say, hey, Jesus, Jesus, 
hey, hey, Jesus. Oh, he didn't hear us. Oh, well, I guess we'll catch him next time he's passing through. No, they're like, Jesus, hey, Jesus. <laughs> through the Bible, I love it with the blind Bartimaeus. Son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, hey, be quiet. And he said the more they told him to be quiet, the Bible says the more he cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Amen. There's going to come a life, there's going to come a time in your life, sinner, where you're going to cry out to God. And you need to cry out to Jesus Christ. Amen. And don't wait till you're standing before God as a judge and go, God, please have mercy on me. And he's going to say it's too late. Yeah. Guilty to a devil's hell. You got the chance right now. You got the chance right now to do something. You have a chance right now to do something about it. Amen. They had the right passion. They screamed out. They screamed out and lifted up their voices. Look, and it said Jesus, they had the right person. They not only had the right passion. It's not enough just to have the right passion. Very passionate religious people in the world. You got to have the right person. And that person is Jesus. Amen. Nobody else. It's Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation to any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Amen. I like what Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ said in John 14.6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I slowed down because I want you to really get that. Nobody else but Jesus Christ. Amen. They didn't cry out, hey, Paul, hey, Peter, hey, Judas. They said, hey, Jesus. Amen. They had the right person. And look, they had the right position, master. Master. Now, living in 2020, can you imagine calling somebody master today? You racist pig. You, you, uh, this has nothing to do with racism. This, this has everything to do with saying, you're my master and I'm your servant. That's the right position. You want to know the real reason why people won't come to Jesus Christ? That word right there. You're my creator and you own me. And I got to do whatever you say. That's what a real Christian thinks. That's a real position you have to have. To approach. If you're going to get, if you're going to come right to Jesus Christ, if you're going to come right and get saved, you're going to get your leprosy cleansed, you're going to get your sin cleansed, you're going to have to approach him with the right passion, you're going to have to approach the right person, and you're going to have to have the right position. You can't just show up to Christ and say, well, I guess I'll let you save me. You're going to get a pretty good deal when you get me because I'm a pretty good old boy. It don't work that way. Master, I'm your servant. I'm your slave. You own me. Why are so many Christians so miserable? Because they don't have Jesus Christ as their master. Amen. Jesus Christ is their little buddy. Me and Jesus, we got something going on. Me and Jesus. Me, and they talk to Jesus. It, it's the weirdest. I mean, it's, it creeps me out, honestly. Because my relationship with Jesus Christ... Is very humbling. And, I, and, and, and Jesus Christ, it, it loves me. He takes care of me. And I, I, I'll do anything for Jesus Christ. But I know better than to backtalk Jesus Christ. Amen. I know he's my master. 
And like I told you, I've already told you stories. When Jesus Christ gets on me about something, I make sure to try to go do it. And he's graceful. He doesn't do it all the time to me. But like with that girl, he says, hey, go tell her it's me. It was like, go tell her it was me. And it wasn't like, do you want to go tell her, Keegan? I would appreciate it if you, I, 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 you would have a blessed day if you would just go tell. No, the Lord don't talk to me like that. Maybe he talks to you like that. Maybe he talks to you about, with, with, with butterflies kissing the morning dew, you know. The, the Lord doesn't talk to me the way Joe Osteen talks to his people. He doesn't talk to me like that. The Lord talks to me like a man. The Lord doesn't ask me. The Lord tells me. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're not serving the same Lord Jesus Christ. But when he speaks to my heart, it's never like, I would appreciate it. He goes, go do that. <laughs> go over there. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir, master. Amen. They had the right passion. They had the right person. Jesus, they had the right position, master. And look, have mercy on us. That's the right plea. That's the right plea. The right plea is, it's not my merit, it's your mercy. Lord, I don't deserve to be in this condition. I don't deserve to be a leper. Lord, I have a family I need to go feed. Lord, I, why did you do this to me? Lord, it's, it's not my merit, Lord. Just mercy. All you can cry to God is, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm just a sinner, Lord. Would you save me? That's the right plea. Titus, Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy. Amen. He saved us. He saved us. Verse 14. And when He saw them, Jesus saw them, saw the ten, He said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed. So what did they need to do? Well, they had to, what they needed to do is they needed to obey Jesus Christ's words. It's just that simple. And his words were, go. Go show yourselves to the priest. Now, can you imagine what that would have been like? Here's these ten guys, they're in, and they're in a crowd together, and they're like, have mercy, Lord, please have mercy on us. Please, Master. Jesus, have mercy. And he turns to you, okay, guys, go show yourself to the priest. He didn't go down there and say, you're healed, and slap him on the forehead. He didn't, oh, you know, and Jesus Christ did all kinds, he had all kinds of ways he healed people in the Bible. You know it, right? Spit on the ground, make mud, put it in their eyes. They had people touch his garment. He had people he, he grabbed and lifted up. And he, there's all, but this time he just says, hey, go show yourselves to the priest. Amen. That's what he says. Read it. Go show yourselves to the priest and it came to pass. That's all he says. <laughs> hey, go show yourselves. So here's these ten men and they're like, they start heading out. And you know what was that, that was like. <laughs> what are we doing? This, this ain't going to work. You, got ten, you know there's always going to be one of them in the group. I don't think this is going to work, guys. This ain't going to work. I, 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 don't, I, I think we're wasting our time. We're going to go to the priest, and when we get down to the priest, he's going to look at us, and he's obviously going to see that we're leprous, and he's going to look, Henry, look! And he looked down, and the leprosy was gone. Amen. Amen. But I guarantee you, when you have ten men, there's one of them that said, hey, what do we have to lose? Let's try it. 
And really, that's what I have for you this morning. If you're not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, really, the question I have for you this morning is a simple question. What do you have to lose? Try him out. If I'm wrong, go on living your life. But I can tell you, somebody one day came to me and said, here's Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. You're a sinner. Do you want to try him? And I was in such a bad state, I said, man, I'll try anything. I'm such a leper. Look at me. I'll try some of that. And I've never been the same. I've never been the same. Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass as the, that as they went, they were cleansed. So to be healed, they had to obey Christ's words. And today, Christ doesn't say go. Today, Jesus Christ says come. Amen. To you this morning, he says come. John chapter 7, he says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus Christ says, If any man thirst, let him come. Unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus Christ said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Come unto me. Come unto me. One of the very last verses in your Bible, Revelation 22, I'm going to read it to you. You don't have to turn there. Revelation 22. Verse 17, one of the very last verses in the entire Bible, this is what it says. And the Spirit... And the bride say, come. Amen. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. It don't matter what color of skin you have. It don't matter what social background you have. Whosoever will. If you've got a will to be saved, you've got the right passion. In other words, it's with your heart. You got the right passion. You got the right person, Jesus Christ. You got the right position. You know He's your master. He's your Lord. And you got the right plea. Lord, it's by mercy. Please show me some mercy. You'll be just like these men right here. You'll be healed. Verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. So there they are, and hey, Henry, look, 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 hey, we're all healed. And they're all, you know, there was some shouting, and then they started running out. Some of them ran back home. Some of them run back to tell their family members. And this one guy, he turns around, and he says, I'm going back to Jesus. I'm going back to Jesus. Verse 15, it says, with a loud voice, he glorified God. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't like shouting, if you don't like Singing loud, you're going to feel really, really uncomfortable up in heaven. Because when we get up into heaven, I, I, can talk, I can speak for a lot of the people in this church right here. There's going to be a lot of shouting and there's going to be a lot of glorifying God. Amen. I'm going to be so happy. I'm going to be shouting and a screaming and a hollering and a hoo-hawing and all kinds of stuff like that. I might even jump up and click my heels. I'm Irish. I can do that. Praise God. Man, I'm happy to be saved. I'm glad. To, see, when the world is going to pot, and you look at it from day to day, the world keeps getting worse and worse. Boy, should us make Jesus Christ look that much better. Hey, when you're at the bottom of the barrel and you look around, you say, man, what has happened? You're going to look around, you'll see us Christians sitting over there just, yeah, everything's okay. You say, you sure stupid happy? I know. I'm just stupid enough to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got a place waiting for me in heaven. See, 
how you want to change the world through your politics, how you want to change the world through your social programs. You want, I don't want to change this world one bit. This world's going to hell. And my Bible says this world's all going to burn up in a fire and heat. It don't matter what. I, I, I live in an old shack. It don't matter. It's all going to burn up in the end anyway. I'm going up there. Amen. See, that scares them. <laughs> that really does scare them. Because there's nothing they can do to us to take that away from us. Amen. You can throw us in prisons and Christians, they love it. You threw me in prison, man, that would just get me on fire for the Lord. Amen. You don't think I wouldn't pray better, preach better? Sing louder when I was in prison because of Jesus Christ? Amen. If some idiot broke down the door and said, we're from the, US, the Texas government, we're coming in here to arrest you, to, sit, to put you in prison for preaching the gospel? Really? Praise God. I got a lot of sick leave I can use at work. And a lot of, I, I, yeah, come on. Come on, let's do this. You know, that's what the church needs. We need the persecution. Did you see those Jews up in New York? Y'all watching the news? That stupid idiot up there in New York says, I'm going to shut down all the synagogues. If y'all Jews don't stop having church, I'm going to shut down all the synagogues. He forgets to mention the mosque with the Muslims. I wonder why he does that. I'll let you figure that out if you've got any brains. But he's yelling at the Jews, they better shut it down. He's going to shut down the synagogues. He's going to close them down. Boy, those Jews, they get out there now, they're dancing in the streets. That, I'm not exaggerating. They're holding men, grown men holding hands. La, 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 da, la, da, da, la, da, da. And they got Trump flags. La, da, 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 la, da, da. Bring it on. Amen. Bring it on. You know what I love about them more than anything? I, I, you can say I love them for doing that. I love, I love them that they're dancing. They were taking all their masks off and they were burning them. Amen. They took all those masks and they were burning them. Big old fire. Here's what we think of your mask. Whoosh. It's about God Amen. and about government. And when one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God in verse 16 and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So when you get saved, it's going to humble you down. It's going to put you at the feet of Jesus because you know who saved you. And here's the hardest question I'm going to finish off with this morning. The hardest question in verse 17. And Jesus answering said, Were there not, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? I thought I'd cleanse ten of you guys. Where are the rest of you? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Stranger, he's not a Jew, he's a Samaritan. Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Maybe it's because I, I preach in a small Baptist church and I've never preached to more than two, three hundred people, whatever, and it's always been a small church and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of a pastor of a small church. I'm pleased that way. But maybe it's because of that. But uh, what I know is God doesn't care who's here. God is worried about who's not here. See, when I first came here, uh, being a, they were a good Southern Baptist church before we went independent, and they had a little board thing over here, right up here on this wall, and it said, how many were in attendance last Sunday? How many were in attendance this Sunday? I took that down. I took that down off the wall. I just took it down. I'm lucky I didn't get voted out right there. So I don't see that no more. God don't care about who's here. God worries about who's not here. Where are the nine? That's the question Jesus Christ has. 
Did I not cleanse ten of you? Where are the nine? There's only one that come back. You know what the first recorded words of the Bible from God were? Wherefore art thou, Adam? Where are you at? Where are you at, Adam? This Bible is not about the found sheep. It's about the one sheep that's lost. It's about the lost sheep. It's about the Adams. It's about the me and you that have wandered off. That's what Jesus Christ came for. Where are the nine? Well, they're not here at church. And they're not here giving glory to God. And that's their own business. Right? That's their own business. I'm going to answer to my master. You answer to your master. My master is Jesus Christ. He's the one that's going to get me. And you answer to Jesus Christ. And he can do what he wants to with you. But the answer to that question is, where are the nine? I don't know. I don't know where they're at. I honestly don't know. Maybe they're waiting for us to invite them to church. You know, I think about that sometimes. I think if I was just, because, you know, I drive by this church, and I think, if I was a stranger, I just moved into town or moved into this area and got there, would I just come on down here and walk into this church and go to church? You know, Ronnie and Linda did. They came in the night I was uh, teaching, or it was either Sunday or night I was teaching on tithing. Oh. And I, actually, I told Ronnie back there in the back, hey, Ronnie, I, never, I didn't know Ronnie from Adam. He came in, I was teaching on tithing, and he's walking out the back. I said, well, I guess I'll never see you again. Nice knowing you. Why would you want to come back? Guy's teaching on how you need to give your money to the Lord. He said, no, I'll be back. He didn't lie. He's a man of his word. I hadn't been able to run him off. The truth is, is that where are the nine? Maybe they're just looking for somebody to invite them to church. Yeah, we need to be inviting people to church. Amen. And it's not just about church, brothers and sisters. We need to be inviting people to Jesus Christ. Amen. Maybe there's somebody just waiting for the invite. You know, Jesus Christ says, come. But how is he saying that today? Well, he's saying it through his word, right? We got the words. But how's, how are these people hearing? They're going to have to hear the word. They need to hear it from you and me. Amen. We're his mouthpiece. Hey, you know Jesus Christ says, come unto him? Come on. So, uh, Pastor, I'm not that bold. I don't know if I could. Uh, you, well, you maybe. Hey, how about just inviting them to church? Can you at least do that? Say, so, well, we'll write them a letter. You got a family member? Write them. Hey, I'm going to invite you to church. We have good, we have good family, fellowship out here. We're about to have a revival coming up sooner than later. Invite them to the revival. We had lots of people, visitors, come in during the revival. Where are the nine, though? Christ wants to know where are the nine. They should be in church glorifying God, verse 18. That's where you're going to glorify God, around God's people. Amen. Brother, pastor, I don't think a person has to be in church to glorify God. Well, I don't necessarily either, but, but, when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ wrote a letter, He said, I'm writing this letter to all my little believers all over the world that are sitting on their couches, separated. All, you know what Jesus Christ says? John, I'm writing this letter in the book of Revelation. I want you to send it to these seven churches. Amen. So what does that say? Jesus Christ, send it to these seven churches. If you're not in the church, you're not getting the letter. Amen. That's the Lord. That's not the way I work. That's the way the Lord works. And that's not counting, the Lord said in Hebrews 10, forsake not the assembly ourselves together. It's not about this building. It's not about coming into a building. It's about being around other believers. 
Where are the nine? Well, they need to be in church. Why is it important to be in church? It's because of these last verses right here. I'm about to read you. We're closing. These last verses. Why is it important to be in church? We'll look at verse 19 and closing. This is why it's so important to be in church. And he said unto him, This is Jesus said unto that leper, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. What made that man whole? His faith. You want to get whole in Jesus Christ? You want to be cleansed in Jesus Christ? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's how it is. It's all about faith. It's all about putting your faith in Jesus Christ. When he returned to give God the glory to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ assured him that he had been healed and he was saved. You see where I'm going with this? He received assurance of full healing. Some of y'all might not understand that. What I mean by that is, there's Henry, there's the other guys, and they have leprosy, and they're coming down, they look at each other like, praise God, I'm healed, wow! And they run off to the four winds, and then one, oh, Henry, he runs back off to his family. And this, the, the guy we're reading this morning, he runs back to Jesus Christ. Well, Henry, he gets home, and he's telling his wife, look, I'm cleansed. I'm whole, look at this, I don't have leprosy anymore. Praise God, and the family's da, 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 da. Two or three days later, he wakes up in the middle of the night. <gasps> what if my leprosy comes back? What if it's only for a week? What if this lasts only for a couple of days? What if this only lasts for a month? He never has that assurance of full salvation. Like a person that's in church. But the man that came back, that gave glory to God, that says, I want to come back to Jesus. I want to come back and be in fellowship with Jesus. He comes back, he falls down in front of Jesus, and Jesus reassures him, everything's going to be all right. Arise, go on thy thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. So this guy don't get to live his life? Yeah. See, the difference was, Henry, he ran home without going to Jesus Christ. This guy came back to Jesus Christ, thanked had a thankful spirit. Thank the Lord. The Lord says, Arise up. Don't worry about anything else. Your face will have made you whole. Now go on, go on your way. In other words, go on home. They both got to do what they wanted to do. But because he was willing to go back to Jesus Christ, Christ gave him that full assurance of salvation. If you don't know, if you, if you receive Jesus Christ at a, at a younger age and you're saying, I don't know if I'm saved, I don't know if it's because you're not in church. Really, you don't know the scripture. The people that question me and say, well, I don't know if I'm saved, or they question their salvation, are people that are not attending church on a regular basis. Usually, usually that's the case. Where are the nine? I don't know. But you know what? They're welcome to come to Jesus Christ. They're always welcome to come to Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your grace and mercy. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would get the honor and glory out of this, Father. And I pray, Father, if there's one of those nine that are out there living out in the boondocks, Lord God, Maybe they're out backslidden, Lord God, Father. You speak to the heart of truth, Lord God. Let them know that the church is always open for them, that they're always welcome to come back, Lord God, that uh, we're just a mighty sinner saved by mighty grace, Lord God. And Father, I, I encourage you, Lord God, that, that encourage them, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that they might, might get right with you. And Lord, I pray, Father, somebody that, that's never been cleansed of their leprosy, Father, that they would use the right plea and they would plea for Jesus Christ to save them, Lord. And I pray and ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. 
If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him